All right, hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. As always, I am your host. Well, not quite as always, but a lot of the time, the majority of the time, <laughs> I'm your host, Adam Smith, with Just the Tips Coaching. And with me, as always, or at least closer to that number, is our marketing director and one of our other coaches, Jen Waymore. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Adam. I know. It is not always morning when people are watching or listening live or in syndication. It's not even morning everywhere on the planet right now. It's not even morning everywhere in the country right now. And it's true. And we've got a really cool guest for you guys, a repeat guest who we have not talked to live and in person like this in what we decided was about 13 months a little more. We've actually breached into 14 here. So welcome back to the show, Mark Dickoff. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, we're glad to have you back. We probably booked this immediately after your last episode, uh, which means a couple of things. One, we had a really good time, uh, probably meaning that uh, we were able to poke fun at you and you put up with our shit or that... Yeah. Uh, you and Jen probably teamed up and poked fun at me, and that's always entertaining for our audience as well. So, yeah, no, we're uh, glad to have you back. And uh, 13 plus months is a long stretch in a dynamic business like yours. So, yeah, let's cut to the chase. What has been going on for you over the last year or so? What an absolute roller coaster. I mean, I think most people in the real estate or any home version industry, I mean, all the way from contractors to mortgage lenders to real estate agents to home inspectors, right? All of us have just been on this outrageous roller coaster over the last 13 months of up, 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 up. And then now it's people are really starting to see a slowdown. And so what's going to happen? You know, the last, I would say, five, about five months now have been this halt that nobody really knows what we're doing. Lots of caution. And so... It's been a wild ride, lots of experience gained. I feel like I'm a totally different person from 13 months ago, <laughs> uh, professionally and personally a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. Yeah, I would say that that's true. Um, you know, one of the things that's really kind of been unique to me, and don't get me wrong, because I don't want our audience to think that we believe that we're anywhere near it or that we are anywhere near it or that we're going to see it in my career, maybe even in my lifetime. But when we look at real estate or realtor, real estate agent statistics, mm -hmm. we know that roughly 80% are gone in the first two years, 85% in the first five years. It's been a little better than 15 since we've had a buyer's market. Right. And again, I don't think we're in a buyer's market, right? We're, you know, a fraction of the way to what we would need for a six-month inventory. We probably still don't even have a month inventory. So I'm not sure that that'll ever actually exist. But there's some things that I have found really funny, like, seasoned agents explaining to new agents what a price reduction is that one is cracking me. what is that yeah. what do you mean <laughs> reduction, you know, mean reduction? The house well i mean we saw a couple of years of people doing really crazy shit like a hundred grand over asking and i'm gonna waive my inspection and i don't need a appraisal and on and on it's all kinds of lunacy that you're right really did kind of come to a halt yeah and We've kind of seen a return to, I hate the you know word normal because we nobody knows what the fuck that is anymore. But I think that it's important to understand that we're kind of in a position like we were in 2018, 2019, pre-pandemic. Right. So yes, there's an inventory shortage. No, there is no market that has a balanced, a six-month inventory. 
It doesn't exist. But considering the fact that, you know, people keep reproducing, that we don't do multi-generational living, that so many boomers are still in their homes, living longer, staying in their homes longer, that so many millennials, now a slightly bigger population than the boomers even, are all of home buying age. All of these great things coming together. Yeah, we may never see a balanced market, a six-month inventory in our careers. It's going to take a long time to get there, but know that it is a hair closer than it was last year, year before. You know, I got to say too, it is a, a fresh breath of air, the slowdown that we've experienced, because a lot of people don't realize it wasn't super fun last year being a buyer or even being a seller buyer you know as you were saying giving away all your contingencies doing whatever you can just to get any home under contract but then even as a seller combing through 25 offers oh i was gonna say 30 yeah it's insane it's not i mean and and so it's even funny like i had a, a house that sat on the market about 30 days before we got our first offer and I remember about two, three weeks in, the seller and I are, are you know, having our meeting and going, is there anything wrong? We oh, doing? we're in a panic. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it feels like forever. I said, you know what? This does feel like forever because we're all used to, you know, one day on the market, you've got six offers already. And so we said, just pump the brakes. And, you know, 30 day, I think it was like day 37, we got a, a functional offer that we went and we closed 30 days after that. But, you know, in total, it was 65 days on the market from the day we listed to the day we closed, which historically, I mean, that's, that's spectacular, but it felt like forever. Oh, and that's the market we're in because of what we're used to over the last couple of years. Yeah, I did have a client call me within recent months. She got married and they decided to live in her house and sell his, put it on the market. And literally 10 days, she said, we haven't had a single offer. Should I be worried? <laughs> like, no, yeah. no, it's it hasn't even been two weeks. Calm down. Right. right. <laughs> I don't think that's worth the panic. Just need to be tempered a little bit. Based on, I mean, because interest rates did double, and that's going to push some buyers out of the market. But there's still, like you were saying, it's it, supply massively is lower than demand still. And so we've got a strong seller's market. I mean, we, instead of two days on the market, it might be two weeks on the market, but that should be perfectly fine for most. I wonder what average DOM is right now. I mean, we used to measure DOM in you know minutes on market or hours on market. Um, and what, do you have a handle on where we are now, Mark? Is it two weeks? So, is that about reasonable? I know my market and we're sitting right between that two and three week threshold uh, before we're getting under contract. That's how we track most of the days on the market. And then total days on the market is from the day you list to the day you close, which counts that under contract time period, which just fluctuates a lot. Uh, but in the last couple of years, we've been in the low 60s. You know, really, you're under contract within 10 days on average. And now we're we're under contract within two to three weeks, still closing about 30 to 45 days after that. So we're probably adding an extra week or two total is all it is. Okay. Um, we're getting some comments from an old, old friend of mine. Uh, good morning, Randall. Uh, in fact, an old fraternity brother in Austin, Texas. And Austin's a great city. One of those jewels mm -hmm. of the, you know, every state in the South has a jewel. Austin, Atlanta, Huntsville. I did talk to Steve Green this morning, Jen. You'd get a kick out of that. Um, and Austin, a, a smaller city than Denver, obviously, but similar with great food culture and people culture and so on and so forth. Uh, he's saying that there were cases where it was nearly a half a million, 450,000 over asking. And depending on the house, that wouldn't be unreasonable. But the average was 100 offers per property in that time frame. Um, again, great town. Huge influx of people. Shit, Jen and I probably know a handful that moved there. I would say mm -hmm. the majority of those came from California, uh, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And yeah, these major 
metropolitan areas, especially when it's a really cool city, Seattle, Portland, Denver, Austin, on and on, really, really suffered. We all learned that we could work remote. I, when was the last time I saw you, Jen? Thursday, maybe? Thursday, and, yeah. And, and before that, I didn't see a, another day last week. I know you went to visit one mm -hmm. of our coaching clients in California one day. It was a week before that. So the, the Thursday, usually Thursdays. I so I'm seeing you once Thursdays. a week because yeah. we have all have this amazing ability for the most part now to work remote, right? Mm -hmm. Here we are. I've been sitting at my desk for three, four hours working. Granted, my office is five miles away and I do go a few days a week. But one of the things that we really learned over the last couple of years is that I can live where I want. If I have this weird job in Philadelphia that I don't really dig and I'm not a big fan of the city, I can either work remote, pick up a remote gig, and live wherever I want. And that might very well be Austin, Texas, even though my job is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So one of the big eye-openers over the last couple of years was that ability, how strong the technology got. Shit, look at my Zoom stock, right, over the last few years. <laughs> you know, great example. So... Yeah, it has changed the face of this stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, Mark, that's a really solid question for you to give us answers to as boots on the ground of all the people you've seen buying and selling over these last 13 months since we've seen you, since we've talked to you. Uh, for those of you that are uh, simply listening to the podcast, we do this as a video cast as well a couple of days before the podcast comes out. So that's why uh, we're talking like that, because I actually do see Mark on my computer screen. Um, but what's it been like? Are people relocating from other places to other places? Are they remote workers? Are they, you know, just killing it with their OnlyFans page? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, tons of OnlyFans people. I mean, that's probably the majority of my buyers have OnlyFans. <laughs> uh, but the people that don't have those accounts, you're absolutely right is i have so many people that are coming down from the more metro areas in colorado because so for those that don't know pueblo colorado is kind of the third uh well the second big city south of denver you got colorado springs in between us and then us we got about 100 to 150,000 people total when you count the area and uh our affordability i mean our, our average price point is less than half that of denver and so oh, sure, sure. our coming remote i have more than half of my listings in the Pueblo West region have probably sold to Colorado Springs buyers over the last 13 months. Uh, and with that being, it's, it's about a 40 minute drive to the south end of Colorado Springs. And a lot of those people were driving 30 to 40 minutes across town to get to work. Now they can just drive up the highway or work remotely for two thirds the cost of the house, a little bit more land, a lot better affordability. And, and that's a big part of it. The other thing is people that are just relocating in town, realizing that their house didn't suit their new needs. That's working from home, working remotely part-time. They need that office space. They just need more space in their home uh, to get away from the kids or whatever it is. Building and buying bigger is really, really common right now. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, in fact, God, it hasn't been too long. We've got some really close colleagues in California. Uh, our mortgage company is the core finance group, Colorado <laughs> Real Estate. This is the care finance group, California Real Estate. And yeah, they turned us on to a Pueblo buyer relocating from California. Obviously got a lot more house for the money in Pueblo than you do in Sacramento. Yeah. Um, no question about it. Uh, and yeah, they ended up with this ridiculously spectacular house. It's got an ADU. It's got a swimming pool. We uh, actually talked recently about some supplemental Airbnb income for that ADU. Um, yeah, and this is not uncommon. Um, and Pueblo's grown up a lot over the last few years 
as a result of this kind of behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Pretty exciting stuff that way. Where do you think we're going? What do you think the rest of this year, next year is going to look like? Are we going to kind of mimic what went on in 18 and 19? Are we, are we all going to get our heads back on our shoulders square? Because it's been crazy for 2020, 21. Um, I'm not sure people in real estate and mortgages will ever really recover from that chaos. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, you're going to have to do a lot of therapy uh, to recover from that. But what do you think the next couple of years look like? I really like the idea of Pueblo continuing to grow like we've been, not at the same pace, obviously, uh, but just a, a really steady pace of growth. We've got a lot of new subdivisions coming into town. We're expanding north. We're expanding south. Pueblo West, which is kind of the metro right west of Pueblo, um, it's blown up. There's, there's actually fewer lots for sale and a, a buildable now than there's ever been because it's all just getting built up. People are developing new roads just to put more houses somewhere. Uh, and because of, again, the price point that's in Pueblo, the workability of our area, Pueblo itself, I think, is going to just continue to expand. Uh, we're going to see slowdowns in some of the bigger, more expensive areas, I think, before we see any slowdowns down here, because it's going to be that trickle down. You know, the moment you can't afford Denver anymore, you're going to move to Colorado Springs. The moment you can't afford Colorado Springs anymore, you're going to move to Denver. The moment you can't afford, uh, or you're going to move to Pueblo. The moment you can't afford Pueblo, then you're going to have to move to Texas or something, because it doesn't get much more affordable than that. Oh, look at you <laughs> bagging on Trinidad there. Uh, Come on, a little true. bit of Trinidad love. Trinidad does exist. That's on, that's on me. People forget about Trinidad. Trinidad and then Raton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to go towards New Mexico, you can. That's funny stuff. Um, and yeah, don't get me wrong, but I think that critical mass is here, if not there. And every single family home in Denver's Looney Tunes now, what, like, you know, 700,000 for the average yeah. uh, single family home. Uh, Colorado Springs, come on, Jen, you've been pecking around that market for a while. What do you mm -hmm. figure, half a million for the average single family home? Yeah, easily. I mean, the condos that are, you know, way down south out by the military bases, which is not where I want to be, are pushing 300. So, yeah. yeah, for to actually have a yard or anything, you're it's going to be half a mil. Yeah. yeah. Probably 425 to 5 is, is going to be about that average up there. And then down in Pueblo, we're between 3 and 325. So much more affordable. But when I got into real estate in 2016, the average price point was $148,000 in Pueblo. So in six years, we've more than doubled the average price point. And that's, I mean, it's unsustainable. I mean, how many people have been here for six years, didn't buy when they started thinking, how many people we know, right? Oh, I'm going to wait for the market to crash. I'm going to wait for things to crash. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's cooled down now, but your interest rate is higher than it's ever been, and it's twice the price. So, hopefully, yeah. that waiting game helped you out. <laughs> um, you know, the interest rates were a funny subject. Um, <clears throat> they've come down quite a bit. Uh, in fact, I was looking at it uh, this morning, and I, I think we've probably had. Well, it's pretty much gone down steadily, consistently. Uh, with a few big bumps immediately following both of the Fed meetings in that time frame, um, which, of course, is hilarious to me because, you know, the world thinks that when the Fed raises rates, mortgage rates go up. And, of course, right. it's typically the exact opposite. Um, so we're probably still looking at mortgage rates that, well, now anyway, I don't think prior to the Fed meetings we were, but I think we're looking at mortgage rates that are lower than what they should be in a healthy economy. Um, if the economy were actually healthy, balanced, if we weren't falsely continuing to falsely depress investment markets and falsely inflate investment markets or debt markets, excuse me, or uh, suppressed. Um, 
And I mean, same with inflation, right? I mean, the same kind of, you know, puppet strings being pulled if inflation's legitimately two to 3% a year. And we basically had none for 20 years. And we now all of a sudden get slapped with 10%. Yeah, it's still lower than it should be. It's just a bit of a shock to the system. Um, so yeah, let's not, you know, I'm still of the belief that the, the economy is a bit of a paper tiger. It looks fierce, but we can punch a hole right through it. Um, and mortgage rates are probably about where they should be, maybe a little lower, but close. So I'm not sure it's been this sweet for a while where the rates have come back down, the real estate's softening a bit, right? We're not having 25, 30 offers on a property. We're not looking at a hundred grand over asking or uh, what did uh, Randall say? 450 on some property. That's Looney Tunes, right? I mean, even if we were talking about a million five property, 450,000 over asking is Looney Tunes, you know, 30% over. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this is probably about as it's going to, about as good as it's going to get, like ever. I, mean, if, I think I, it's I, a comfortable market. I think if you were on the fence about buying a home in the last few years, uh, certainly watching the real estate lunacy over the course of the pandemic. This this is probably your moment. I don't think it's going to get much better for both sides, right? Because right now, I, I, sellers, it's still a strong seller's market. I put a house right? on Wednesday. We've got four offers to review today, right? Still a strong market. It's not 25 offers, but four is still whew, great, you know? In, a, uh, in less than a week? Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> buyer-wise... I mean, I, I, same thing. I got a house under contract this morning for one of my buyers, uh, $15,000 under asking price. You know, great. You know, and, and it's about, uh, that's about 10% under ask. Uh, okay. So that, hang on. That brings up an interesting subject. Why was it overpriced? Has this listing agent not adjusted? Are the sellers still shooting for the stars? What is causing that shit, Mark? Yeah, so it was funny because a lot of people are saying, oh, prices are coming down on houses, which we do see a lot of price reductions. Reductions, right. But that doesn't mean that if you actually look at the sales price of homes, it's actually very comparable to last year. Because what we're seeing is everybody's so used to saying, oh, all the comps on this house are 300000 I'm going to list for three twenty-five and sell for three fifty, right? Because that's the last couple of that's years. That's what we did the last couple of years. Uh, yeah. Now, I, for the most part, I would always say comps are at three. Let's list at three because that's where I can justify to an appraiser. Anything above that's now gravy if it appraises. People are now still, though, they're seeing the comps at three. They're still listing at 325. But instead of getting offers, two weeks later, they're now dropping the price to three, where it should have been really to start with. And so all these price reductions don't show a difference in sales price. They're just showing a difference in, in where people need to be pricing their houses. Because by the time you then reduce it to three, well, now it's a little bit stigmatized. You've got a, a price reduction on a property. What's wrong with it? That kind of stuff. Why isn't anybody else buying it? And then all of a sudden now, a couple of weeks later, you're seeing it to 285, where if you priced it right at three to start with, you might've sold there. I saw a cool analogy there. Actually, I think I read it. I don't remember where I got it from. Uh, basically that when you're pricing a home in this kind of a market, it's kind of like throwing a softball down a hill. Either you can stand at the top of the hill, throw the softball down and try and chase it the entire way down. Or you can stand at the bottom of the hill, throw the softball up, and then run to go get it as it's coming back down on you. Either way, you might catch the softball at about the same time, but it's which one's going to be your easier process and easier way to get it sold. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of a neat analogy in that way. So you're better off underpricing a house right now than you are over. But like the one that I got under contract, it had been on the market for about 30 days. Uh, it had a steady price reduction, 5000 It was kind of a lower price property. I think it was around 200 by the time we saw it. And... And it was just that same thing. Last year probably would have sold for this price. Uh, but now that the monthly payment is 
vastly higher than it was when it was two and a half, three percent interest rates. People, the same people weren't interested in it, uh, which is why it gave us the opportunity to come in and scoop it for a little bit less than they wanted. Yeah, that's so you actually do think that a lot of this is the consumer, the home seller being slow to react. And the agent. I, I don't want to insult the consumer that way or the home sellers that way because right now it is changing fast. Yeah. Um, actually, the last couple of weeks, couple of months, we've all kind of been like, okay, that's, that's a change, you know, nor no change, a slight return to some normal and some consistency. But yeah, I, I, it's been changing so fast for so long now, years, right? Plural that this is probably just a result of people not reacting as quickly as the real estate market does, as you have to, as I have to, right. so on and so forth. We are demanded. It is a requirement to react quickly. And the consumer doesn't have to. Right. Yeah. And a lot of it is just the agents. Like, like you were saying at the beginning, though, some agents, they don't know what a price reduction is, right? Um, kind of as a joke. But really, I mean, they haven't had to do price reductions at all, you know, expired listings, price reduced listings, all those didn't really exist over the last few years. Uh, and now you're seeing more and more and more of them. You don't have to do price reductions when you price it correctly the first time. Last year, we didn't have to price it correctly. You just price it anywhere. You're going to get offers. You're going to you're going to sell the house. Now it's different. You need to be a little bit more strategic in what you do. Well, you probably don't. You, uh, listing expirations is one I hadn't even thought of. We obviously haven't gotten to that point yet. If your house is on a, on the market a month, Okay, no reason to panic. But yeah, the expired listings is an interesting one that may uh, show up a little bit again in the rest of this year, future years that, yeah, that's not something we've talked about at all in recent years. No. Yeah. And a lot of people are just very unrealistic about the value of their property right now because of what's happened over the last few years. They think their house is worth a lot more than it is. Uh, and so all we can do as professionals, right, is show them the facts. Look, here's the houses that are similar to yours that have sold, how they change, all those things. And then now it's that's taken into account just a little bit of a slowdown in the market. Yes, your neighbor's house might have sold for $20,000 more than what I think yours should sell for last year. But again, what that looks like payment-wise for a buyer is why somebody was willing to pay more for it last year, not necessarily this year. So that makes a lot of sense um and in the interest of entertaining our audience who you know is usually here seeking out just the tips kind of shit like how do we get business where does it come from what does our lead gen activity look like let's talk about that in this new ish idea where are your buyers and sellers coming from how are you finding them how are they finding you what has that looked like this year yeah, so a lot of online leads have come in based on growing my, uh, my you know, what's called SEO or, you know, the, the optimization of all those things, um, making sure that my name comes up, getting more reviews, those kind of things. I've got a lot of buyers and sellers kind of coming out of the woodwork. People that were legitimately concerned about trying to enter this market last year. Even some of the sellers, they're like, I do not know what the heck is going on. I am scared this market's going to crash. I don't want to make the move. Now that things have kind of tempered off a little bit, there's a lot of people coming out of the woodwork saying, okay, now's the time, you know, because there's a, a lot fewer people out there. And so it's a better opportunity for them uh, in terms of competition wise. I don't want to buy a house without an inspection, which I would have never recommended anyway, but a lot of people did. Um, I don't want to buy a house without an appraisal, uh, those kind of things. And so people that are, you know, first time home buyers using down payment assistance, those kind of buyers have such a better chance now True. than they did last year, especially if you need seller paid closing costs, any of that. I have a lot of those kind of people coming out. 
Yeah, we've started to see a lot of contracts with seller concessions. It's yeah. uh, kind of an interesting return to what normal looked like between, you know, 07 and 19. Sure. That that window had some, I hate to use the word normalcy because it wasn't normal, but consistency. Yeah. And yeah, that's definitely what we're seeing again. So obviously we focused a lot over 20 and 21 on lead gen for sellers. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not going to struggle to sell your home. In fact, just the opposite. You were going to struggle sifting through the two or three dozen offers that you got on your home. Right. That was going to be the major pain point. So now we're kind of back in an arena where having sellers and buyers, and obviously we all know that one leads to the other and vice versa. You've got to balance that depending on what the market is doing. Um, do you think that that is more of this return to normal that your lead gen work, your review campaigns, whatever it is you're doing to generate that kind of work is now fairly balanced again between buyers and sellers. Yeah. Buyers are a lot more valuable than they were over the last couple of years. No offense right. to buyers, but you get the idea is that, the, you know, I would put a house on the market and honestly probably get 30 buyer leads. Um, right. Ask, right. Hey, can I get pre-approved? All that. And it was to the point where I was handing a lot of those off to some of the newer agents in my office and, and people that I, I work with because look, I, I don't have time truly to sift through these 30 buyers and now go show them 30 different houses and all of that. And so I was handing those off this year is not that way. Right. And so every buyer that comes in gets a little bit more individual attention. You get a little bit better, not better service, but you get more service from the person you originally ask it from uh, because they'll have the ability and the leverage to be able to handle that. Uh, so, yeah, having those buyers on hand and, of course, listings is, is one of the three L's in, in real estate that you need to make sure you're getting the most of. So, yeah, it's still a good balanced market in that way of what you need to do for lead gen. Okay. All right. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and I think it's really valuable data for our audience to have, um, for agents, for loan originators, really even for the people that are kind of in fringe arenas, financial planners, insurance agents, so on and so forth. It's really important to have a grip on what is changing there. Um, wow. Uh, and here I was just commenting on and really hoping that things were going to kind of level off and be consistent, <laughs> but I guess we're just never going to have that ever again in any of these industries. Sorry, you guys are all screwed. Um, but well, I think one of the important things that we really promote and preach on is that if you want to be successful in real estate, if you want to be successful in mortgages, in financial planning, in insurance, these are dynamic industries ridiculously in some cases. Look at what real estate agents have had to deal with over the last few years. I'm just these huge waves, these roller coaster up and downs and, uh, you know, buyer's market, seller's market, price increases, price reductions, on and on. The only thing I could see getting really haywire is if we start figuring out why heavy foreclosures and short sales and REOs are thrown into the mix. Mm -hmm. But it leads to a good point. There was a time 15 years ago where there were agents that were really badass at short sales, at REO, at foreclosures, these kinds of things. Right now, who could even imagine that right now? You can't make your payment. You've got a shit ton of equity. You're going to sell your house. You're mm-hmm. going to pocket the cash and preserve your equity. But let's assume there's that one in a million guy that doesn't. Let's assume there's even that <clears throat> one in a million guy who owes what the house is worth. Well, maybe it does go to foreclosure 
And now we've got one in a million odds of somebody not snatching it up at foreclosure auction. <clears throat> so properties are never skipping through that process and being put on the market by an agent who happens to specialize in foreclosure listings. It's just so rare. So the agents that were doing that then and are still real estate agents now have remained as dynamic as the industry is. You've got to stay in tune with what goes on. You've got to stay sharp. And in fact, you've even kind of got to be a little ahead of the game. You've got to be able to make some educated predictions about where we're all going because, well, who's going to tell you where we're going? Talking heads? I can't even trust the ones on CNBC anymore. I only say that after that uh, woman let her naked husband run across the screen while she was doing a live interview a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if any of you caught that, but yeah, her her chubby naked husband walked across the background. Well, hey, if you're going to be on CNBC, please get yourself a virtual background, just food for thought. Um, you know, then we don't see naked husbands. There was that woman who had the dildo on her bookcase. Um, and that poor guy with the BBC whose kids came in and knocked over a table and his wife had to come scrambling and get yourself a virtual background if you're going to do interviews like that, please. Um, so, but we can't believe what these people are telling us because they don't know. They don't know. We don't know. Even as unpredictable as economic shifts are, we've never come out of a pandemic before. We don't know. So you've got to put all these little pieces together and make some wise assumptions about where we're going so that you can help your clients. So, yeah, please remain dynamic, remain, how do I put this, malleable, yeah, flexible, so on and so forth. Shit, we could ramble about this kind of stuff forever <laughs> and a day. And yes, Jen, I know that we're at our time limit, but we like having Mark on the show and we can you know, bang heads back and forth about these kinds of weird economic scenarios for hours. So let's promise to do that. Let's have you back for another show, Mark. Pretty pleased. Sure. Cool. Um, and Jen, yes, I know you have got some things you want to put out there about this chaos and how you're making adjustments to what's going on now in light of the impending Mile High Mastermind. Yeah, it's we're like six weeks away. That's crazy. It's insane. I it's did tell Steve first. Green that today. He says, I got to come back to Denver. I said, you will. I said, Hang in, in six there. It's only six weeks. Right. Yeah. Um, so my high mastermind tickets are on sale. That's our lead generation focused conference. Mark, we would love to see you there. It's September 16th and 17th at the University of Denver. Two full days of amazing content. Plus, we have a really cool social activity planned for Friday night that I'm really excited about. It's probably one of the coolest social activities we've planned for the well, wait a so. minute we've seen a show at red rocks yeah but the, for all yeah. these people from out of town it's, it's red rocks you're used to it it's red that's rocks true. that's true you get speaking. to go there yeah was, but yeah. for all these people that come in from all over the country all over the continent red rocks that's true okay but, the, and, but this year's is really and we did see we did go to a comedy show at the international church of cannabis in uh, 2019 yeah, don't, don't play that. Right. um the last two years have been a little bit more subdued because of, you know, COVID. So I guess I'm really excited to have a big social activity again outside of, we did the U Club, which was amazing, but this year is going to be really cool. So tickets are on sale for that. Um, you can text TIPS to 63566 to get the link to buy tickets to get past episodes of the show, uh, our weekly little tip, um, Adam's book, Just the Tips. 
Oh, look at you with it right there. <laughs> yeah. Hagrid wasn't sitting on it this week, so I could Got actually it. grab it. Um, and to book a free hour of coaching with us. So all of that is at text tips to 63566. But definitely grab your ticket for Mile High Mastermind six weeks away, which is crazy. That is really crazy. Um, well, Mark, thank you. I, I know it's a big deal to carve out this kind of time on a Monday morning, and we more than appreciate it. I couldn't verbalize it. Um, Randall, thank you for all of your feedback today. It's good to hear from you. Um, and yeah, maybe we could even get Randall up here for our, is this the sixth annual? This is the sixth annual Mile High Mastermind. Mastermind. Wow, we have been yeah. doing this a long time. It's true. Very cool. Great event. Um, so credit where credit's due. Jen knows how to put on a conference. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, so yeah, we will do that. Um, and yeah, other than that, I don't know what else to say other than thank you, thank you, thank you, Mark. I know it's a big deal and we love your insight. And it's really cool kind of getting the insight from uh, a unique and different market than ours. So it's a lot of fun for us. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I know. We're happy to do it. Uh, for the rest of you, either watching or listening live or in syndication, we do actually do this live at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time, pretty much every Monday. I would say probably about 45 weeks of the year. We probably crank out about 40 or 45 of these podcasts a year. So tune in, and we will see you guys next time. Bye, guys.